0: to being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You can find our episodes on culture, doctrine, church history, and more on whatever podcast platform you typically use. And make sure that you follow our podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you can get notifications when we post a new episode, which is every other Monday. And if you follow us on Instagram at She is Becoming Podcast, you can also get additional episode resources and engage with us on there. And sometimes we do prayer on Sundays, which is really fun. Um, well, I am your co host, Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co host, Bev. My right hand. Oh, my. Well, my, f- my favorite, my bestie.
1: <laughs> we are besties. It's yes. been a wonderful, beautiful experience to do this ministry together, and I hope. Women, as they're listening, would realize, you know, get involved in ministry. This is where yeah. you make some deep friendships, deep friendships, and it's it's just one of the many blessings out of obedience to God when you answer His call Amen. and do what He's called you to do. So those relationships are there, and we're very blessed today to by get one of those know, relationships. Yes, is, yeah. is our guest today is Shyla Allard, and um, she is with us here, and we are going to be talking about Genesis. But let me tell you a little bit about uh, Shyla has a passion for teaching god's word and has been a bible and christian worldview speaker for over twenty years Um, She teaches, she has taught the foundations at Grace with high schoolers. Which I took. Yes, Mm -hmm. and she has also been a featured speaker at the Creation Museum, which I've been at, and I've seen those speakers and and listened to those lectures. They're wonderful. Um, She's also written Devotionals for Women. Her current vocation is an executive leadership coach, which she's been doing for the last 13 years. And interestingly enough, Shyla has been married to her husband, Todd, for 32 years, and they were a part of Grace Church, and she... The boys, her two boys grew up here and are part of the family, and um, they've been attending Grace after they gave their lives to Christ. So welcome. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to have a hometown girl with us this morning, (laughs) and uh, we are anxious (laughs) to hear what what you have to say. Uh, Shiloh, we always like to ask our guests as a way to just to get to know you, what has God been saying to you lately? As you've been doing your devotional time, maybe not studying for a lecture, Mm -hmm. but just between you and the Lord, what's He been speaking to you about? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, um, that bio kind of outed my age a little bit.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> we like to we like yeah. to be upfront about our age
0: <laughs> on this multi generational still- <laughs> podcast. Shyla, you're
2: still a baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know that kind of uh, goes with the, um, the what comes to mind for me to answer that question, which is I'm in a new season of life, my husband and I, you know, with adult children and married children, and um, and so I find that the Lord is just really impressing on me in this new season of life that he is sovereign and I can trust him, mm. you know, because each new season brings a new set of challenges. So and unknowns. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, the other thing along with that, I know you mentioned like uh, preparing for teaching and things like that, but I was just thinking about how for me, my ultimate favorite form of worship is teaching. Wow. Huh. And preparing for teaching. Hmm. And so I find that some of my best times with the Lord are when I'm preparing to teach. Yeah. And you you gotta dig into it more. Yeah. yeah. And and I wrestle with him and then you know, then I come to this this place of like, Okay, this is what you want me to do, Lord. And and then I then when I'm Mm. there with with my students, it's just this feeling of just complete joy and like exhilaration. Mm. And so um, that it's just been really a blessing this summer, having um, done uh, it'll, I guess it'll be five uh, teaching sort of sessions total yeah. between between creation and the flood. Mm. Um, doing that, preparing for that, and you know, I've for the women's this, Bible study, for women's Bible study, yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, I've taught this material for years, but each time there's something new oh. that I learn. I mean, of course. oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it God's doesn't, word is doesn't and have a, it doesn't
0: have a bottom. No, that's, <laughs> just keep uh, digging. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: absolutely. And and each time there's just more. Uh, not only more learning for me, but just more joy in doing it. Oh,
0: Thank you for sharing that. I mean, we're so excited to have you here. You're somebody that we have wanted to have on for a while. Um, I did take, her the foundations class and she mm. taught on creation mm-hmm. i can remember m- most of the As seven the seven C's of creation <laughs> and we went um we went to the creation museum together when i yeah. was a freshman yes. in high school we did and then um we just spoke on a panel last year about mm-hmm. feminism which was super fun so we're super excited yeah. to have you here um i consider you a genesis one through three expert Honestly,
2: because you that makes me a little
0: nervous. (laughs) We, but truly, I mean, you have been studying this for years, so I would consider you a Genesis one through three expert. And we're just so excited to have your um, expertise for women's Bible study this year. And so that's really what we want to talk about um, in this episode today. You know, Genesis one through three contains some of the most foundational theology and doctrine. in the Bible, and it really sets the stage for who God is, His plan for the world, our role in it, and so we are just really excited to have you here to just give you a, just give us a preview into this is Genesis the primer. 3.
1: This is yeah. the primer for the for the Genesis study. Yeah. So we're prime us. Would you yes <laughs> get us really excited on on what we're going to be doing
2: here?
0: Yeah. This year. So our first question for you is this: um, As Christ followers, how should we be reading Genesis one through three?
2: Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, you know, even just to take a step back on that, one of the things that I will often start with in my teaching when I'm going back to the very beginning to teach in, in Genesis is that so often we talk about with our kids that we're going to read a Bible story. Mm-hmm. And stories, what what does that conjure up in your mind? Fiction. Yeah. Fiction, yeah, right, like a fairy tale. say account, tale. account totally. instead of stories. I do too, Bev. Mm -hmm. this bump
0: Mm -hmm. Mm (laughs) okay well i i don't so i'm going to start yeah 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 Yeah,
2: i think it's really important because um what happens then in the secular world we have accounts and real history Hmm. and then in the bible is just a collection of stories but no the bible is like the history book of the universe It, it it tells us history from the very beginning to actually eternity wow what hasn't happened yet you know, mm. but what will? And so um, when we look at Genesis 1 and we look at the Hebrew narrative there, it is a historical narrative mm. and we are to read it as history. Genesis is history. And it's interesting because I learned this in my study of uh, this summer in preparing for teaching that when you look at the number, the number of years covered in the Old Testament, 66 percent of those years all happen in Genesis. Whoa. That's okay? shocking. Yeah. So there is a lot of history. Yeah. In Genesis. And one through three, it's the very beginning. And it's meant to be read as um as historical narrative.
0: And I think we read Genesis one through three and we're like, okay, yeah, God, God created the world. And it's like, that's all we think about it. When really Genesis 1 through 3 tells us tons about who God is. It tells us a ton of things about who we are. Yes. It tells a ton, Tells us a ton of stuff about gender. We have the first covenant laid out in Genesis 1 and 2. It tells us about our sin condition. I mean, it, it's yeah. truly foundational to understand the rest of the Bible, yes. to understand who we are and who God right. is.
1: We can get lost in the theories too. And pretty soon we're questioning the whole thing. Yeah. yeah so that's why it's important to read it as historical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without all it doesn't have all the details yeah it doesn't have the how but it does have the who yeah mm-hmm. and it
0: has the details we need right
1: yeah. right mm-hmm. okay so now I think we know how we should be reading this mm-hmm. Which is it's just important Yeah. it's very mm-hmm. important I'm going to ask a big question here, Shiloh. Could mm-hmm. you just give us kind of the general overview, a quick summary of Genesis 1 through 3? What's in there anyway? If someone hasn't read it, just give mm-hmm. them a few you know, paragraphs of exactly what's in there now that we're going to be looking at.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, you ladies, by the way, did a great job of just a minute ago really emphasizing the foundation of these three books. Mm. There's so much... Christian doctrine yeah. in these three. And when, when you discount these three books or you start to... and Satan attacks it. It's when I think it's the most attacked book mm. in the Bible. Mm. Um, when the foundation crumbles, everything else starts to crumble. That's why it's attacked. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So back to the summary. So we start with chapter one. And in chapter one, we're getting um, what I call a, an overview of how God created... In six days. Mm-hmm. And so we get day one. Earth, space, time, and light. We get day two. God made the sky, the firmament. We get day three. The earth sees the plants. We get day four. planets, sun, moon, stars, space. Uh, we get day five. Sea creatures and flying creatures. We get day six. Land animals and humans. Ooh. <laughs> Man and woman. Yeah. More and,
1: complex as it goes.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like he's... Creating this canvas, and then he's filling it. Right, mm-hmm. filling
0: it in. That's a good way to think about
2: it. Yeah, and and actually this summer, uh, in the first creation class that I did, we actually drew a picture. And I find that drawing a picture as you read, one through six, of what you're reading, of what he's creating, hmm. helps to lock it in the brain to remember sure. Sure. what he created when. Well, yep.
0: Shoot, I'm going to do that with Jax today. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I've got a framework I can give you for that. Okay, good. Uh, but it's... Um, it's it's amazing to uh to, to look at that to see what he's done his creativity his um just sovereignty over all of that and um and the order matters mm. the order matters, and that's i I talk about that in my teaching as well because the, the secular world will tell you differently, mm. not just that there wasn't a god but that the our order is all messed up but
1: mm. and what did he use <clears throat> to create
2: uh Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, he created, exactly. He He created created, out of nothing. He created out of nothing. Mm -hmm. We're not capable of that. Absolutely. Yes.
0: And that tells you a lot about who he is just in that. Doesn't it? That there was nothing, but he was there. Yeah. Before time, before the world, before, that tells you a lot. Tell us a little bit more why the progression. Can
1: you just give us a little hint as to the why of that? Uh. The
2: why of progression. Tell me more what
1: you mean. Um, well, it started out very simple, kind of painting a simple backdrop,
0: and then it, yeah. he starts to fill like, it. Why
2: does the order matter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, why does the order matter? Well, um, you know, I think of it in terms of uh, why the order matters. Um, God in his infinite wisdom, there's so much that he packs into that uh, chapter one oh, that truly. refutes what man says today. <laughs> so I'm just going to go down that path for I a minute. Think that's a good idea um, because um, you'll see. For example, and this gets into some themes that are in, that are in Genesis one. By the way, I'm not really done with my summary yet. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. Kind of ridiculous. Well, we'll go we're back having, to it. Okay.
1: We're having a conversation. <laughs> we'll go back to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're but women. <laughs> we
2: jump all over
0: the place. But you okay. said the order thing, and we're curious. So you have to say
2: now. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the big things um, to point out is that. In the secular world, you'll hear that there's no God. God didn't create. There was a Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And in the Big Bang, in the secular world, it starts with um, the sun. Mm. And the earth is hostile, uh, comes later, and it's a hostile, like, molten blob of lava before it becomes miraculously okay for life. That's in there. (laughs) Okay, but the sun comes first in the secular view. And so if someone were to say, so because one of the things that is hard for people sometimes is to not be intimidated by science
3: mm-hmm.
2: and man's word. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, maybe God used the Big Bang.
3: Mm.
2: So that's often a question I ask my students, Could God? did God use the Big Bang? Could that be possible?
3: Mm.
2: And I say no, because that's not what he said he did. Mm. Or how about evolution? Couldn't they ask the same question about that? They could. That's right. So, and I'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But with um, the order of yes. events, yeah,
1: it it
3: doesn't it, fit. it doesn't fit. It doesn't mm-hmm.
2: fit. Another thing that you see as a theme in Genesis one is according to their kinds. He makes plants according to their kinds. He make, creates animals according to their kinds. According to their kinds. It's it's actually mentioned six times. So it's not a throwaway <clears throat> statement. <clears throat> no. <laughs> No. And so what does kinds mean? Well, when you dig in to the Hebrew and look at that and, and look at the context around it, it's, um, it's like a family in the science um, world, right? It's not a species, Hmm. right? Okay. So today um, we can get new species, Hmm. right? We, we know that, that we get different kinds of species that we can observe, but they're all within a kind, We don't get a new kind or a new family of animals. They don't
1: cross over that
2: kind. Right. We don't have one kind turning into another. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: We don't have the bear kind turning into the dog kind or Mm. vice versa or whatever. Has
1: archaeology ever saw saw anything like that?
2: Well, uh, no, or paleontology or, you know, no, we don't see any of that in the fossil record.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, But we also know from God's word Mm. that that's not how he created. He created everything according to its kind. Yeah. And so we start with two two of the dog kind, and they create lots of different dogs because God in his infinite wisdom created them with all kinds of genetic DNA right. information that allows us to get all kinds of different varieties and species of dogs. Right. I'm
1: hmm. Happy
2: about that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> How about the dogs. <laughs> I am.
0: Okay, that's cool. So so we we got that the order
2: match. So take us back to the summary, we, we interrupted yeah, yeah. you. Okay, all right. So, um, so that's Genesis 1. Then we get into Genesis 2, and we zoom in. Mm-hmm. Okay, So we mm-hmm. zoom in to day 6. And so um, this is where we look at um, God, the details of God making Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And God actually um, engages Adam in work. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I often say, you know, today, for a lot of us, work is like, <sighs> yeah, there are parts of work that are really great. Yeah, we get like a glimpse of the of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But then sometimes work is like, it work really stinks. Work is work. Yeah, it's yeah. exhausting. Right. You, you you feel the toil of work when you have to work. Sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so God, um, we see him engage Adam in work before there's any sin, and it's beautiful. and mm-hmm. it's, yeah.
1: it's not part of the curse, It's people. not part <laughs> of the
2: curse. Work was created as a good thing in yes. the very beginning, mm-hmm. and it's been affected by the curse just like everything, or by mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so we see um, Adam, God engaging Adam in work, and him naming the animals, and there's no suitable helper
0: mm-hmm. for him. Yeah.
2: I love that. That's really key. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so God makes woman from the man. We see that in chapter two. And it's a really beautiful thing because there are two really core um, doctrines that we see. One is marriage. Yeah. We see the first marriage. God defined it right in the beginning. God Mm -hmm. created it. A man, one man and one woman. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was the suitable helper,
0: was woman. Yes, that's right.
2: Yeah. And we see two genders, mm-hmm. two genders with very distinct um, purposes and gifts, right? But equal in God's eyes, mm-hmm. a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's that's a beautiful part of chapter two, mm-hmm. um, is to see that we have a man and a woman uh, married. Uh, in a beautiful, perfect world mm-hmm. in doing this garden. Doing beautiful work. Doing beautiful work.
0: And in perfect intimacy with God. Yeah. And, and each walking, other. Walk.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Those had to have been some sweet days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I often think about that and I, I think about, you know, what were they, what kinds of things were they doing? What would it have been like? I mean, it's so hard to imagine a world that's perfect without any right. sin or corruption or evil. Um, but sometimes I want, you know, like, did they ride dinosaurs? Uh, that'd be cool. <laughs>
0: Maybe they did.
1: And the dinosaurs probably wouldn't hurt them.
0: Well, no, cause they wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been no, you know, they would have all probably no eaten death. plants or something. Yeah, I'm sure. And that's why when we mm. study like, you know, biblical manhood and womanhood, why we go to Genesis one through three. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first. It is the you know it, we see right away. Here's what they were like pre-fall. What they were created to do, and then here's what's going to happen. All
2: that they sent, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I just I want to go back to your point about uh, you know the dinosaurs wouldn't have been attacking them and they were eating plants. We know from the scriptures that God gave them plants for food. Every living thing. That's right? True. So the animals were eating plants. They were vegetarians. The Adam and Eve were eating plants, fruits, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I will often ask my students, like, okay, so were they having a hamburger?
0: Yeah, that's a good
1: question. Not until after the flood.
2: Yeah, that's true. And why wouldn't they be eating a hamburger? Um, because there's no death. That's right. Something mm-hmm. has to die to give you a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Don't mm-hmm. remind me.
2: Yeah, I know. It's kind of gross when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't
1: know where our food comes from. You know, just order the thing. <laughs> we don't realize the yeah. what's happened behind it. Although more, right. some people are more aware.
2: Right. And it's also um, interesting, too, that we see, and I'm jumping a little bit now to chapter three, mm-hmm. where sin happens. We see the first actual physical death is an animal sacrifice. Yeah, mm-hmm. God sacrifices an animal to clothe them. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't say in the scriptures what kind of animal it was. I always picture a sheep for some reason. Yeah, Yeah. I do too. Because of the sacrificial system. That's right. And I wonder, you know, was it a lamb? You
0: know, I would love to think that it was because that would make sense. But yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, whether it was a lamb or not, it's still, you know. Depends on the amount of material he needed. Yeah, that's true. I'm (laughs) a seamstress. That's true. It does depend on that. Yeah. But it's it a very practical but like, point. It still points, you know, it still foreshadows, you know, the ultimate sacrifice of, course, of
1: Christ. Of course. It the, does. The blood mm-hmm. shed to cover their nakedness, which Right. Mm-hmm. But chapter three, let's go into the summary there, is so yeah. rich. Yeah. And had such um eternal consequences.
2: Right. Uh I I often say and this is just my own opinion, but I think that of all the chapters in the Bible, it's the saddest mm-hmm. Um, because you've got this perfect world. We just painted this picture right in chapter two of this perfect world where everything is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now it's all going to change forever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I find this very interesting how the spirit just moves me. It's hard for me to, Every time I teach on this or talk about mm. it, I get choked up. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, because it, you know, and because not only did it affect them, but we we feel the implications now. And I think we that's do. what makes it painful to, you know, painful to read about. Is like I I feel the effects of their sin, of my sin, right now. Eternal
1: right? consequences. Yeah, right. Consequences to sin. Unreal. And that and that it's right. not
0: just. Right. That death is um, a consequence. That's physical death is a part of that. But, you know, the spiritual death that we see, the emotional death that we feel, like the death and all all these other kinds of ways we feel the death
2: right. that came in Genesis 3. Right, right. So, so we see here a number of things happening. Um, Satan now enters the picture mm-hmm. in the um, form of a certain serpent and um trick's eve uh she chooses though unwisely mm-hmm. uh, to disobey god so in uh, we see that in in chapter 2 god sets the boundary mm-hmm. I neglected to mention that before yep. but yep. um there's this one rule you know one you, rule one, one. Rule. right yeah
0: don't eat from the
1: tree all yeah. the no. trees there for them everything mm-hmm. they needed all things provided yeah and one prohibition it's like the wet paint theory you know right You've got to touch it.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. You know, my son when he was younger would say, Mom, do you think that they will ever be the ability to travel back in time? Hmm. And uh, well, hmm. if you watch the new Indiana Jones movie, you can. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was really good. <laughs> it was really good. It was good. <laughs> and there's a there are a couple of reasons why I really <laughs> enjoyed that movie because uh and I'll talk I'll talk more about that later, but um He says, he's often said, because if we could, I would go back to that day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And I would say, don't eat the fruit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But we would.
2: We would. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, We would. Yeah. So Genesis 1 through 3, thank you for that summary and for all of our rabbit trails of questions. Oh, yeah. And and actually, there's one other really important thing I have to say about Genesis 3. Do
2: it. Um, So. When that happens, we see a, a dynamic shift, a, a change in the relationship, not mm-hmm. just between Adam and even and God, mm-hmm. because that's an immediate spiritual death, but also between each between them. Yeah. Well, the woman oh, made me eat. This is
1: so real, people. Yeah, this
2: is- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. So the blame game begins. And yeah. she's like, Well, the serpent, yeah. you know, and then I'm sure. Can you imagine her feeling like? Oh my, my oh, husband. Throw just threw me, me, under me under the bus. bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so you know, and a lot of times we think, well, well, Eve's the one who ate the fruit. Well, Adam was standing there. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And, and, Often overlooked. Yes, yeah. yes. And he uh, was um, assigned the leadership. You know, he yeah. was to protect her, and you know, he's standing there and passive, uh, passive, exactly. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that um, is so beautiful about Genesis 3, although it's the saddest, it also gives us an amazing amount of hope. Hmm. Because when we get to Genesis three fifteen, we have the hope of a coming Savior. Hmm. And that's when God says, when he's talking to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, so those who don't believe in Christ, and her offspring, Jesus, and he shall bruise your head, and some translations say crush, mm-hmm. and you shall bruise his heel. Mm. And so here we see, and I can only imagine for Adam and Eve, like, just feeling that shame, and then like, huh? What was yeah. that? What did you just say? Mm-hmm. Like, someone's coming? Yeah. And then we see throughout the Old Testament, like, he's coming. Mm-hmm. The promised Messiah is coming. Is coming. It starts there. So that's called proto evangelium. It's kind of a fancy yeah. term, right? For mm-hmm. the first for three fifteen for mm-hmm. three fifteen, right? It's the first place that we see the gospel message mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Genesis, right there in Genesis, 3. right after they sinned. Right. He didn't let centuries go by. What an, an ama- amazing grace! Amazing hmm. that God has. Thank you. Given us. Yeah.
0: I love that. Um, What are some, I know you've talked about some, some themes from Genesis one through three, and there are so many.
2: Yeah. What Mm -hmm. are a
0: couple of them that you would like to dig into a little bit more here today?
2: Yeah. Well, I've already talked about kinds and that, that is a big one where we see kinds over and over mentioned six times. And I think that that's so good for today and just the pervasiveness of evolution to understand Mm -hmm. that that's not what God did. Hmm. In fact, oftentimes, um, I will ask my students, okay, what is the biggest problem with evolution? Mm. And I get, well, there's nothing in the fossil record that shows transitional forms. And, uh, you know, life can't come from non-life and, you know, scientific and other reasons. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, those are all good things. But what's the most important thing to note about Mm. what's wrong with evolution? And it's this. It's not what God said he did. I love oh, that. That's the that's bottom good. line. That is the bottom line.
0: Yeah. Mm. So they can't move from kinds. I, lo- yeah, I love yeah. that you say that to your students too, because that is the foundation. And then the science, of course, backs that up. Like yeah, we can does. see that, which I love that you also point out in your class and to your students, which is great. Like science lines up with God's word, Yeah. but God's word is where it starts.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, so other themes. Yeah. There are a couple others that I, I like to point out. One is, uh, or another is, Um, He says six times, also, there was evening and there was morning and there was the, you know, fill in the blank, first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Mm -hmm. So he's very uh, purposeful. He's a God of order. And and we see him creating in six days. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And so oftentimes what will happen is, and this can get, controversial even within the church is that people will look at that and say well how could it really be six days because we know that science tells us that there if we look at the fossil record that that's really been that's happened over millions of years Mm -hmm. not just six days Mm -hmm. you know so um, but God again makes it clear that well no when when you look at the Hebrew yom the word yom Yom, uh, of day here whenever it is used with a number or morning and evening, it means a literal 24-hour period here, mm-hmm. where God's creating in um, six days. And then we see that confirmed again, actually, in um, the uh, Ten Commandments. Hmm. When we look at Exodus 20, um, where he, he's talking about, um, by the... That the Sabbath, actually, And he says, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the seas and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Hmm. So here's something else I often will say. So how do we get, how do we know and measure a day? Okay, a day is the earth's uh, rotation on its axis, right. right? How do we measure a month? Well, a month is the moon's cycle. Okay. How do we measure a year? It's our rotation the around sun? the sun, yes. And how do we measure a week?
0: Uh, I don't know. Like scientifically? I don't know.
2: It's not scientific.
0: Yeah, oh. it's man made. It's, it's man-made? based
2: on the Bible. It's based on, yeah. it's oh, based on, on the creation true. what God occurred. did. What yes. God did. So every atheist that uses a seven day week is borrowing our week. Wow. <laughs> I love this. This is amazing.
0: Well, I think it, it goes back to what you said, too, at the beginning, that we need to read it as an account and as history. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when you read evening and morning, you think day. Yeah. That's the first thing you think. Yes. When you start adding all those extra years or whatever theory that you have, you are making that, You're. I feel like you're making it less of a history you're account. You're nullifying yeah. it. You're yeah. nullifying
1: the, the literal teaching, and speaking of God's word. You're nullifying it. Yeah. Yeah. And changing it. Yeah. To suit what?
2: Um, Man's word. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're trying to fit it into man's word. And, you know, there is, um, when we look at the Bible and we we look at the world around us, that fossil record that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. that evolutionists will point to and say, see, millions of years of... You know, these rock layers, erosion, death, and so on, millions of years. Well, I look at that. I mean, I was recently in the Grand Canyon, and I had an amazing time. And I look at that, and I say, this took a lot of water and a little bit of time. And they say a little bit of water and a lot of time. Right. Okay, that fossil record is explained by a worldwide catastrophic flood.
1: Right. And so many other things are explained by that, too. Yes. Why all these yes. fossils on the top of a mountain.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, we we can trust God's word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is truth. And and the other thing that happens is, you know, people say, well, they've dated the rocks. You know, they use a scientific method to find out how old those rocks carbon are. carbon dating. Well, carbon dating is dating of once living things. Oh, OK. OK. So and rocks so is different. Rocks is different. That uses isotope radioisotope dating, also known as radiometric dating, okay? okay? And what they do is they look at the breakdown of uranium to lead in these rocks. And and that's how they determine the age of the rocks. But one of the things that's really important to know is there are really two different kinds of science out there. Mm -hmm. There's observational science, okay? And observational science is something that we can see, test, repeat, Right? I mean, we use observational science to make iPhones and to put men on the moon. Mm-hmm. Historical science is something different. Historical science is looking at something from the past and make, drawing a, a conclusion about it. Mm. But we have to make a guess based on either an eyewitness account of somebody who was there, or if no one was there, what we determine about that thing that we're evaluating is based on our Worldview, of course. Mm. So, if I dig up a fossil, and I'm a biblical creationist, I'm a Christian. I'm going to mm-hmm. say, "Wow, I bet that was a an animal that was buried very quickly uh, back in Noah's day during the flood." Mm-hmm. And an evolutionist is going to dig that same fossil up and say, "I bet this is an animal that is millions of years old." That uh, evolved into something else. Hmm. And it's we it's because we have we have the same evidence. And when we dig it up, it doesn't have a tag on it hmm. that says what it is and what happened to it. We have to make a guess about it and it's based on our worldview. Hmm. Exactly. That's key. So when we get back to dating those rocks, dating a rock, looking at using radiometric dating requires assumptions. Hmm. Interesting. So it, it's not all um, it's not the observational science. It's a combination of observational okay. and historical science. It requires assumptions. It requires you to guess how much uh, uranium was originally in the rock. It requires you to, to guess that what happened in between that time. Mm. There are all kinds of evolutionary assumptions that are made. And creation scientists have sent rocks that they know are recently made because these are igneous rocks that come out of volcanoes and then cool Yes, that th- those are the ones they're dating. Um, they've sent recently made ones to uh, labs that have come back to two point eight million years old when oh. they know they're not.
0: Yeah, so you kind of know it's it's an, rigged, a, maybe. It's oh. an evolutionary assumption. Sure, that makes sense. That's that's good to keep in mind. That is, you know, so often we
1: feel defenseless when somebody brings up some of these sciencey yeah. responses. Yeah, but. This is very helpful. I think our listeners are gonna find this fascinating and very helpful when they when they, they want to have the creation view. Yeah. But they don't know how to support it.
2: Yeah, we don't
0: need to be intimidated by science. No, and good resources on this are uh, Answers in Genesis. Is it called? Yeah, uh, anything yeah. by Ken Ham. Maybe. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've got all the books. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Creation Museum stuff. Yeah,
2: well, and you know, um, I often hear Ken Ham's name, and I, I, I actually, um, I know Ken Ham personally is a great teacher. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you though, at Answers Ge- Answers in Genesis, they have a whole slew of really smart yes. scientists. Yeah. Um, and who have done a lot of research, written a lot of articles. And, and Ken is the, the leader of the ministry. Yeah. Uh, but these these scientists, really, they dig deep. Yeah. And so um, to go out to their website, they have articles, books. And the books, anything from, you know, something for children to, to a really in-depth oh, scientific article. Yeah. We have article. a bunch of
0: them. Dinosaurs. Jax loves the dinosaur ones. Yeah. Those, yeah, are, those so are fun. Those
2: are good ones. Another great place to get resources is the Institute for Creation Research. Hmm icr.org is another organization out of Dallas. They have a smaller creation museum mm. in Dallas as well and mm. they have a number of resources and also a number of really smart scientists that's who are awesome. doing lots of research.
0: No, that's good to know cuz I think people yeah, we do wonder and we wonder how we can engage in conversations like that. But I want to go back to um I want to go back to Genesis 1 through 3. Yeah. Can you just talk us through like you know, what What are some of the things, I know we can't get touch on all of them, but what are the some of the things that we learn about God through Genesis 1 through 3? And then, you know, what does that mean? What do we learn about who we are from Genesis 1 through
2: 3? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, um, we've touched on this uh, a little bit earlier when we were just talk, talking about how he created out of nothing and right. how He th- there was this canvas and then he filled it. And I just, I look at it and I see, one of the things we learn about God is he is a God, first of all, of order mm. and of creativity. Yeah. And it's just, it's um, an amazing and, and beautiful thing to, to read and just to even get your mind around it is difficult.
0: Well, and I think that atheists, the the vibe that I get, I've read some stuff from, I think it's Richard Dawkins, I want to mm-hmm. say, yeah. atheist scientist, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vibe that you, what they think about God is that God is some kind of um, psychotic, maniacal, mm-hmm. um, distanced mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And right away in the creation account, and they also think God, it just does like, crazy things and i don't they don't see that god has purpose with what he does but right away in the genesis creation account you don't see that from god you see a god of order you see a god doing things um very intentionally very specifically you see um him in a relationship with his creation right away walking in the garden. like you see all this right away which is just very different than the vibe that i get from yeah. the of what
2: they think right right and you know um one of the things that atheists struggle with, and um, just as a little side, I was on a college campus once, and I walked into like the, the union area um, where students hang out, and there was a table there promoting the secular student alliance, which is basically a group of atheists. Mm-hmm. And one of the pamphlets on the table was the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why they see God as this maniacal evil God, is they, they don't understand the problem of evil. But we see in Genesis 1 through 3 that answers that question. Mm-hmm. That God created everything perfect. He, it wasn't his his wish for us to mm-hmm. be living in evil. Right. You know that was man's decision. Right. And so, uh, but they don't know what to do with that. So mm-hmm. that that's oftentimes what gets them tripped up with God is yeah. how could there be a God if there's all this terrible stuff around us?
0: Which shows, you know, so that's another thing that you see about God. In Genesis 1 through 3, you see that he's a God of order, a God of creativity. You see that he's a God of grace. Yes.
2: That was next on my list. Yeah. yeah a God of grace and a just God. Yeah. You know, so he um, He is just. He's, he is not going to let sin go unpunished. Yeah. Which is, we, we want that. Yeah. <laughs> I know it feels right. like something we don't. Yeah. But, but would we, he
0: be good if he wasn't he just? He would not. No. Yeah. No.
1: He, he can't yep. be. He ha- if he's good, he's just. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a good judge is just. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see those things about God. What about, what does that mean for us? Mm-hmm. And like, what do we see about who we are? From Genesis 1 through 3.
3: Yeah.
1: I know, you know, because of, without an understanding of these, I think there's really a purposelessness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's really significant that in the scriptures, he says, let us make man in our image, mm-hmm. which by the way, that our shows you the Trinity mm-hmm. there at creation. Yeah. That's and in huge. Colossians 1, we see Jesus is mm-hmm. our creator. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um but let us make man in our image. We are image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. So man creates things. Man mm-hmm. is creative. Man is orderly. Mm-hmm. You know, our brains are spiritual. made to be, our man is spiritual. There's so many things that that we do that reflect God's image. Mm-hmm. And it's marred by sin. Yeah, um, But it's just remarkable to think about that.
0: And it's different than... Um we are gods because we also hear a lot of that and and um i'm trying to i'm blanking on things the theories that these are called the ideologies but there are a lot of ideologies right now that you basically can embrace your own consciousness and you can become divine yourself Mm -hmm. and and being an image blair is not that (laughs) very
2: new age very new
0: age and that's different than that this is a reflection This is not saying that we are divine. This is saying that we have some of those characteristics that we see perfected and in all its glory and in all majesty in God, we see those on a smaller scale for the purpose of bringing more glory to God in us. Right,
2: right. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the sin nature in us wants to be God. Right. We want to be our own gods. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that's not... what we're to be as image bearers and as followers of Christ is that we reflect that image and glorify him through
0: that. And that gives us purpose too. Yes. Like the fact that we're an image bearer right, right away there gives us purpose. You know, I often hear people when they talk about, um, you know, just mankind in general, we, we tend to focus on the depraved side and that absolutely is there, but we also sometimes miss the focusing on, um, that God created all of us with purpose, yeah. that God designed us for specific reasons and to be in relationship with him. And I think we also need to talk about that part, that, the, that part of how God created us. Well, mm-hmm. if we look at other people
1: as image bearers mm-hmm. of God, aren't we going to treat them a little differently? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are we going to make racial discriminations? Mm-hmm. Are we going to make how they look, how they talk, how they act, where they're from, are we going to make those kinds of distinctions i don't think so i mm-hmm. think that we're going to see them as image bearers and then we're going to want to share god's truth with them but mm-hmm. if if we don't have that vision it's going to be we're going to be stumbling
2: over trying to share our faith as well mm mm-hmm. yeah you took the words right out of my mouth, Bev. Oh. <laughs> We're of one mind. One same spirit,
0: same spirit. Shilah,
1: sister in Christ. That's right. Sorry, I probably stole that. I didn't no, mean to. No, no, no. I'm
2: so glad that you said it. It's um it's so true that God wants us to see other humans as image bearers. Mm-hmm. It just changes our perspective um, on people when we have that compassion for others as image bearers. Now, that we know from what God's word says that not every person is a child of God.
3: Yeah. there's a distinction.
2: There's a distinction. Every human being is an image bearer. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Only those who follow Christ are children of God. Mm. Um, But we, we want every image bearer to be a child of God. Right. That's, that's what we want. We want to be spreading the good news so that everybody has that opportunity and, and hopes that, They choose that.
0: Exactly. And we live in a time where people try to self define when really God is the only one who can self define. Right. Mm. Like we try to self-define, we Mm can't, we can only define, identify as, yeah, like, and, or, or, you know, fill in the blank, but really the only one who is able to do that is God. There's something that we've, uh, we've done some stuff on identity on this podcast before, but
2: Mm. there
0: was something that, um, there was a quote that we said, I think, man, it must have been two years ago that God says, I am who I am. Mm. He says, you are who I say you are. Then he says, show them who I am. Mm, So even in the way that that he created us, like he's this, he self-defines. He's like, you, this is who you are because I've created you. Now here's the full picture. The full circle here is that you are created to reflect me.
2: Mm, I love that.
0: Anyways, should we go to the next thing? I mean, there's so much we can see from there. Gender. There
1: is so much Mm -hmm. here in these first three chapters and they're so critical to our worldview, period. I mean, it, it really is, 1 through 3 is a worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And without yeah. that biblical worldview, everything else after Genesis 3 is it's not going to make as much sense. Right. It, it, you have to get God's initial plan, uh, and then we can go forward with it. Um, what do you think is the significance of God being the creator of the world and of these major themes we've been talking about? The creator, what do we... What's so important about his creating ability?
2: Well, you know, um, when, I, when I look at that, I see, um, and it kind of goes back to some of the things that we've been talking about as we've, we've been contrasting, like Richard Dawkins and the secular world. Um, I, it's important to understand God as creator, because if, if we don't do that, um, we begin to elevate man's word above God's word. Hmm. So I, I have um, something that I call, and I, this isn't originally something that I created. I can't remember where I got it, but I liked it and I snatched yeah. it from my teaching. It's called the authority test, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and it goes something like this. Does the idea or statement that I'm confronted with have man as the ultimate authority or the God of the Bible as the ultimate authority? Mm. Are man's thoughts exalted above God's word or is the word of God honored? Hmm. So, if we're confronted with an idea about marriage, marriage could be between any two people as long as they love each other. You know, is let's look at that idea. Does that have man as the authority, or God's word, the God of the Bible, as the authority? Mm-hmm. And so, um, there are a number of things that we can use that test with, and and I think that starting with that. With creation, it's so important, you know, when it comes to okay, are we, we all here by random chance, mm-hmm. or is it because we were created in the image of God in a very purposeful way? Mm-hmm. Um, it it's foundational. Mm-hmm.
3: So
1: truly, truly is a, a very foundational point. Um, what happens when we stray away from these? general themes and truths that we find in, in Genesis one through three. Describe a person who doesn't believe a word of it.
0: Yeah. What yeah. what are the what, what happens? What's the danger? Like Yeah, why do you have yeah. I mean I know what's
1: important and we've talked about this a lot, but yeah. just describe a person who doesn't have this foundation and what would their life be like?
2: Yeah. It's sad to think about, but I think one thing that comes to mind for me is just a lot of confusion. Oh, mm. True. And and we see that in especially in today's culture, like with uh, gender fluidity mm-hmm. uh, confusion around just identity, which you were just touching on mm-hmm. I think without this foundation it it's whatever I want to make it and then if if that's the case what, what if I'm not sure and I'm just confused and I maybe I maybe I'm not a woman, maybe I'm a man you know it's just there there's this yeah. confusion um and um also a uh, lack of purpose
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're like a ship without
0: being tied to the dock you know yeah. it's just they're just adrift right. and I think when right. you don't recognize God's authority yeah because if I don't recognize that God created me to be this and that God is an authority figure who has an authority structure mm-hmm. then I'm trying to make that and I make myself that and that becomes really dangerous and scary. And I think probably why people are so, we have so much anxiety
3: yeah, and yeah. all of
0: this stuff now, like, right. and purposelessness. Like, if I'm my own authority, then my own purpose can change. It can be whatever I want or it can be nothing. And then I don't have a purpose that's set by yeah. God.
1: Yeah. I think, too, a lack of comfort. Yeah. What's the comfort when you see the Twin Towers go down? Mm-hmm. If you have no God,
2: right?
1: What's your comfort? How do you explain evil? As we touched on mm-hmm. earlier, um, mm-hmm. but the comfort piece—I mean, you know—I can get anxious laying in bed at night. All of a sudden, I've got worries. Right? I was mm-hmm. fine all day. I lay down mm-hmm. at night, I get worries. Always, and if I didn't yeah. um, mm-hmm. have, didn't know that God was sovereign
3: mm-hmm. and
1: that He was with me, and that He could hear my every word, my every thought, that I had a, an ally. In heaven, mm-hmm. uh, I would be so discouraged. Mm-hmm. I would need med- medicine. I'm sure yeah. I would be, yeah. need medication yeah. because <laughs> I I depend on that so much. Yeah, and I would be comfortless without knowing these truths in Genesis one through three.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know um, the things that we're describing are oftentimes things that happen in the lives of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people in the situation I'm like, oh, they just need Jesus. They need mm-hmm. Jesus. The thing that I think also we need to be aware of is that there um, are sometimes followers of Jesus who compromise God's word. Mm. And that's a very dangerous place to be as well.
1: Yeah, Happens all the time.
2: Yeah. So if we decide to compromise in the very beginning,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Genesis, and say, well, science has really proven that evolution is true, and all those rock layers are prove that things evolved— well, okay, so that means that there was all this death in those rock layers before sin even entered the world. Mm-hmm. If that's what I believe as a Christian, hmm. so if death was before before sin, then death isn't really a punishment or like a sorry a result of sin, right? And there's um, then why did Jesus? even come and like die on the cross. Yeah, it messes with that. Yeah. It it, It undermines. It undermines the whole gospel. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think Christians don't realize, they don't play out, you know, what the compromise does. And it just begins to erode. And either that gets passed down to our kids or it starts to shake our own faith. And that compromise just can be extremely dangerous in our faith lives.
0: Wow. And and I love that you brought up. It kind of starts in Genesis. Yeah. Like if you miss that, like you can't, you, you, you have, the, there's a, there's, you, you can miss all of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to go back to some science stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, we, uh, we hear a lot that the Bible's creation account is anti-science. Yeah. What Yeah. is your response to this? And does yeah. science support the biblical creation account?
2: Yeah. So, um, true science will never contradict God's word. It only affirms it, yeah, and I want to go back to um, the two different types of science that I explained earlier that observational science and historical science. And I think what happens is we get tripped up and intimidated by the historical science. Mm-hmm. So if evolutionists say, and I use and Delaney, I, you were on this trip with me, but we went to the field Museum after the Creation Museum, the Field Museum of Natural History Chicago. in Chicago. yeah, they have the evolving planet, yeah. And it's, um, a whole, um, exhibit on evolution Mm -hmm. and they state everything as if it's fact. Yeah. (laughs) The earth is, you know, 3 billion years old and we evolved. I mean, it's just, you Mm -hmm. look at it and you're just like, wow. When the fact is they weren't there. Yeah. Okay. They, we have, we have one eyewitness account of creation by the way, and it's in Genesis and it's God. Mm Mm-hmm. He was the one that was there, Um, but uh, they, it's, it's theory, you know, but they, they don't distinguish between historical science and worldview and observational.
1: And theory to them means the only
2: thing to believe. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, when we separate those two things out and understand that there's a lot that we can agree on in the secular science world Mm -hmm. when it comes to observational science. Yeah. Um, but there are, when it crosses over into things that require a worldview, when we're looking at the past and we have to make a guess mm-hmm. based on something that happened in the past that we can't repeat, then it's, it is truly a worldview and we don't have to accept that as truth.
0: Mm. That's a, that's a key distinction, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it probably helps us in conversations with people who, I mean, I guess I don't really get in a lot of conversations with people about this depth of science, Mm -hmm. but if I did, Mm -hmm. then it would helps us like be able to distinguish like, how do we measure, you know, this historical science and this observational science, which is key that you
1: brought up. I think, you know, so often um, this is like a trump card when they say, well, carbon dating, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, we've got the science, which they think they parade it as no other opinions allowed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not.
0: Right. It's
1: not. It's an opinion.
0: Um, What is it like for you, Shyla? mm Because you're probably more in these, this realm and having conversations with people more than definitely more than me to this level. Mm -hmm. What's the vibe that you get from people like when they pull out all of this? Like, well, this says this, the science says this. Like,
2: I don't know. How do you deal with that? Or what's your response to that? Yeah, that's a really good question because, I, and I, I've said this to many people, that if you try and get in an argument
3: mm-hmm.
2: with uh, an atheist or, you know, an ardent evolutionist mm-hmm. who, um, it, it's just, it's not going to go anywhere. Hmm. Because for every argument you have, they're going to have some sort of comeback. Right. It's just going to be, a tennis game yeah. of back and forth and back and forth. This is a heart issue. Yeah. And so when I um, am talking to somebody who doesn't believe in creation, who doesn't know Christ, I'm praying for them, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm treating I'm addressing them as a human before I'm addressing the science issue,
3: mm-hmm.
2: because this is this requires a heart change before mm-hmm. we can even really have a conversation about. The worldview matters, and and that and, and evolution versus creation.
0: Yeah, you have to think of them as someone who's blind. Like, yes, they're not going to necessarily see the science or the, see how scriptures account until the Holy Spirit,
2: right, takes off the blinders. You know, and sometimes I and I did this recently with someone um, where um, I, I will go back. I will use creation as an evangelism tool. Hmm. So I will say, you know what? You were not made by random chance. Hmm. You, you did not come to be because of the evolution of just random evolution over millions Everybody of years. You know Everybody
1: wants to hear that. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to hear that.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, in the beginning, we were not made as people. We were not made by random chance or after millions of years of death and destruction. And we didn't evolve from lower life forms. God created everything very good. That's another theme, by the way, good. We mm-hmm. didn't talk about that earlier, but six times he says that. Good.
3: good.
2: Yeah. We God created everything very good, and in six days, it was perfect. Animals, plants were created according to him, according to their kinds, and humans were created in the image of God. Very good. In very good. Mm-hmm. Imperfect, because he says it at the end when he's all done. He cl- declares everything very good. Before mm-hmm. that, it's good. That's, yeah, yeah. When it's done, it's very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he created us in perfect relationship with him, with each other, and with creation. But then something happened.
3: Mm.
2: Mankind sinned. And sorrow, pain, destruction, death, all the evil you see around us, that's when it entered. Mm-hmm. And it separated us from God. But there was good news. In that he promised, after that happened, after we messed up, that he would send someone to make it right, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus. So you see what I'm doing? I'm starting yeah. from the very yeah. beginning by just... And Bev, I love your. Everybody wants to hear that you're not a random accident. No, you no, have purpose.
1: We, we run around looking for our purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whether you're a Christian or not, everybody wants to believe there's purpose for their right. life. Or right. They're desperately depressed, yeah you know? that's right, and how about the guilt problem? Genesis one through three explain guilt and its yeah. problem and its solution, yeah, very good point. They're, they're cowering, you know, yeah. hiding from God, yeah, and that's a picture of us,
2: yeah, covering it up with fig leaves, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: <laughs> trying to trying to cover it up with our good works with you yeah. know trying to feel better about ourselves by what we're what we're doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and only God had the solution for them. They right. couldn't come up with their own solution. God's solution is, his solution is Christ.
2: Right. And even to think about just the um, analogy there with the fig leaves versus God's covering. Yeah. yeah. No. With yeah. the sacrifice of that animal that we think maybe was a lamb, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, he he's like, no, your coverings aren't going to work.
1: Have you noticed the size of a fig leaf? Mm-mm.
2: It's pretty small. It's like it? a
1: teaspoon. <laughs> You take a how laugh. they did it, yeah. I marvel. I marvel. Oh gosh, amazing.
0: Okay. It'd be the first bikini, I guess. I yeah, guess. It'd be tiny. Yeah, tiny,
1: itty bitty, teeny weeny.
0: So I love how you describe that. Like you can share the gospel through the creation account, and that makes it really make sense. I think in a really beautiful way, but. We, you know, we're going to be um, listening to Pastor Troy's Revelation sermon series coming up mm, soon. Yeah. So can you just share with us how Genesis 1 through 3 connects throughout the rest of the scripture and really into the book of Revelation?
2: Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, Delaney, the seven seas of history, mm-hmm. um, which is often uh, what I will teach on. Now, this um, in in Genesis... Um, the first four C's are really focused in Genesis so it's I mean, the letter c the letter yeah. C right mm-hmm. yes the letter C so we've got creation we've got um corruption mm-hmm. we've got a catastrophe mm-hmm. and then we've got confusion mm-hmm. and confusion is the tower so that explains people groups right yes mm-hmm. then we move to Christ, the cross, and then consummation mm-hmm. so it kind of comes. Full circle, yeah. Because in the beginning, we have in that creation account that first C, everything is perfect, and until the corruption happens. And the good news is, and this is oftentimes when I'm when I'm evangelizing using creation, mm-hmm. I end with revelation. That's awesome, <laughs> because I say, and here's, here's the deal. Here's yeah, I'm like, it, and here's the deal. He's going to make it perfect again. Yeah. He says that in Revelation 21, and I heard a loud voice on the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Mm. That mm. is what's coming. And when I'm evangelizing to somebody, I say, I'll say, and... I want you there with me, and Jesus is the way. Powerful how you connect those two. Yeah. So it all connects together that mm. we will have that perfect place mm-hmm. again. Um, a Beautiful consummation. Yeah. Yes. Even though it's rough start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> rough start and lots of stuff yeah. in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a lots little of bit. Confusion. <laughs> just yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. I know that there are so many more themes that we could have gotten into today. So thank you just for your expertise, your wisdom for connecting the gospel and just how Mm. this fits with all of scripture. We really appreciate you and your ministry. And we're excited to hear, you know, more of your Genesis content. This was the teaser. (laughs) This was the teaser. Uh, We're going
1: to love to study this, this, this year, especially these first three chapters. It's
2: crucial
0: yeah so thank you for coming on but um, thank you
2: for having me this is just a delight yeah
0: will you just pray to close this Beth? i will heavenly father we
1: thank you for the scriptures thank you lord because only you could give us this earliest of history and so father as we reflect on it study it think about it apply it to our lives would you show us again and again the truth of your plan the truth of your character the reality of your promises, the reality of your consummation that Eden will one day be restored even better. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you so much that you promised a Savior from the time we sinned, that you had a good plan that would reveal your goodness and your grace in the face of our sin. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to walk around feeling like a little blob or that we are guilty, that we can come to Christ and get the covering of his blood and be forgiven. Lord, if any woman listening has not really taken that truth to heart and still is under the guilt, I pray, Father, that you would release her today and that she would receive Christ as her Lord and Savior and receive his righteousness by her faith and that she, too, would come to full consummation in the kingdom to come. Thank you, Lord, for Shiloh for her uh, pouring into us, and thank you for how you have poured into her. Will you use this abundantly for the good of your kingdom, the building up of your church and your people? In Christ's name, amen. 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 amen.
0: Well, it was great to be with you, sisters, and great to have Shyla, um Join us in two Mondays on She's Becoming.